Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, this morning's week five of the series we've been in called FaceTime, and we are talking about our prayer life and wanting to turn it up a notch. And anytime we teach on Sunday, the goal is not that you walk out of here and go, well, that was a good Sunday, or that was, that was okay, or what. It's that we, we change, that we'll be transformed. I mean, we walk into this place saying, God, if there's something that needs to change in me, if there's some way I can become a better follower, then I want to hear that and I want to apply that. So that's been our goal is we've been dissecting this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, whatever title you want to go by in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, but we're using the Matthew 6 passage. And we want to be better. We want our prayer life to be better. We want to be better followers because of this. And not just because we recite the words, but we've been learning how to apply it and how it makes a difference in our life. So say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So a little review, we started out with our Father and talked about the importance of that relationship that grants us special privileges because God is our Father and we've been adopted into his family in heaven so we know where he is and that awareness, uh, hallowed be thy name. Just the holiness that is beyond our understanding but the respect that we show God in that. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I mean, that, that's my favorite line in the whole prayer because that is so life-changing. And it, it just to continue to say, God, if I say your kingdom come, it means I'm gonna live by your kingdom guidelines and your kingdom standards, and I want that to happen so that you'll be honored. And on earth as it is in heaven, that anticipation, that eagerness, that if God wants something, I want it with a passion. Too often I think we read where God says, especially the one another's, you know, serve one another, love one another, and we read, okay, I guess I got to be nice because, man, I want to do that with eagerness. I want to get up in the morning and say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done right here with the eagerness that it is in heaven. I want that to be my heart. Then we said last week, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about the base physical needs that God meets. The most important physical need we have is daily sustenance. And this morning, we talk about what I think is the hardest line in the prayer. But it's our basic spiritual need of forgiveness. And so we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, different translations will say different things. Some will say debts. How many of you grew up learning it saying trespasses? You know, some translations say that. Some translations just say sin. It means the same thing, all three words. Debt, something we can't pay. Trespassing, going someplace we shouldn't, breaking rules. Sin, same thing. So when we say forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, there's a whole lot to unpack in this. And that... uh, Verse 12 in Matthew 6, to me, is kind of the hardest line in all of this. How many of you have somebody that you haven't forgiven? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) You should have seen the hands go up. (laughs) Don't we all? Let me ask you this. How many of you struggle with forgiveness? 
Yeah, we do. And, and yet again, it's something that if we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, then it's got to be a part of our life. So I want us to look at that this morning and just maybe figure out a few things that will help with that. Um, one, we've all messed up, haven't we? Turn to the person next to you and say, I've messed up. Yeah, you thought you were going to get to say you messed up, you know? <laughs> I've messed up. Man, that's all of us. In uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, he points out the beautiful forgiveness that God gives us when he says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I mean, that's what we count on. That's the gospel. And when we say, God, forgive my debts as I forgive my debtors, we're asking him to use the measurement that we use. Now, he's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about the discipled life. Our sins are forgiven by God's grace. We're connected to the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Here he's talking about, if you remember the setting, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. So we go back in, in Matthew 5. It started, the very first verse of Matthew 5 says, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he gives them those beautiful things we call the Beatitudes. Then he says, this, this is what it's going to mean to live now this life of being my follower. And he said, then you're going to be salt and you're going to be light. And then in chapter six, he gives all these uh, wonderful ways, five and six, all these wonderful ways that are different. He says, well, the kingdom is like, or you've heard it said, you know, eye for an eye. I'm telling you, in my kingdom, you love your enemy. And so he gave us these guidelines. And in the middle of this, he says, when you pray, this is what you pray. So he's talking about the life of a believer here that should continually pray, forgive us of our sins. It's important to be a part of our daily prayer. Number one, because everybody needs it. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Proverbs 20, I think it's verse nine, says, who can say that they're pure and without sin? Nobody can. And so we all know that we need this and what we need to get it into our hearts is that other people need this too. And maybe we're the filter that God's gonna use for that. The recognition of our need. Isaiah, there's that great passage in Isaiah 53. We read it at Christmas time. But the prophet said, talking about Jesus, he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we would be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. We count on that. If we're believers, if we're Christians, we just celebrated the things that remind us of that. That Jesus died for our sins and that we're forgiven. Everybody needs forgiveness. The second thing we need to deal with is that we need the freedom from forgiving. How would you like to live the rest of your life with no bitterness, no resentment? That's what comes with forgiveness, that he promises us that we can have that. And yet, tests have been done, people that won't forgive, Man, it's a medical nightmare. They've actually done physical tests on people and they ask people, you know, who's quick to forgive? And some say, well, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. Who's not quick? Oh man, don't ask me, you know, I'm not. And so they take them in a room and they ask them what it was ahead of time on a survey. What was it that, that you know, you struggled with? And then they set them in the room and they're taking their blood pressure and their heart rate and all that. And then they bring up the item. And they have found that the person who said they were quick to forgive, their heart rate would go up and their blood pressure would go up, but pretty quickly it'd go back down again. You know, as they processed it, yes, to mention it stirred them a little bit, but it didn't hang on. People that said they struggled to forgive, 
Man, their blood pressure went up, their heart rate went up, everything, and it stayed there. And it was like they said, depression is greater and people that won't forgive. Not forgiving someone is a disaster for us. So God calls us and says, you need to forgive. That's why again and again in scripture, we're told this needs to be a part of our life. In Ephesians, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He said, get rid of all the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the harsh words, the slander, all those things that happen when we don't forgive somebody, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So that's what we're called to. When we don't forgive, we're doing all the things that God doesn't want us to do. When we won't forgive someone, it's a disaster as far as when we say, well, your kingdom come, your will be done, but I won't forgive them. It just, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Three things, a pastor of mine, a friend of mine in California uh, was talking about this passage. He listed three things that consequences of unforgiveness. And it was, uh, what is it when you use the same letter? Alliteration, that's the word, it's a big word for me. Alliteration, and, and Jimmy, y'all love it when Jimmy does that, so I thought I would do it. Here's three things, consequences of unforgiveness. One, it dishonors God. Now I know none of you have probably ever had a child that brought dishonor to your home, you know, unless you've had a 13 year old girl or boy. And then it's pretty mandatory. But, you know, but there's something that, you know, your kids, they, they misbehave in public or something, you're going, oh man, that's not my kid, you know. And, and that. When we don't forgive other people, it dishonors God. Because we claim to be his child and we're thankful that we can say our father and we say your kingdom come, your will be done. He goes, okay, I wanna write a great story for you, but you won't forgive. And it dishonors him. The second thing is it disillusions the lost. You know, somebody who's looking, who doesn't know Jesus yet, but they look at our life and then they hear us start ranting and raving and critiquing and me, 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 and they go, well, why should I be a Christian? You're no different than I am. And when they see that there's unforgiveness in someone who calls themselves a believer, it disillusions them about all the promises that God made. The third thing is it just delivers Satan a win. It's just a win for him when he can bring unforgiveness in us and that bitterness and that anger in that. And I know some of you right now are using what I think are the two most dangerous words in our culture. I've been hearing this a lot in the last five or six months and it's just, it just suddenly it starts catching on my ear and then it caught, I caught myself saying it so I'm like, well, it's, yeah, but. I start saying, you need to forgive, and some of you are going, yeah, but, but you don't know what they did, you don't know how bad it hurt, you don't know, you, you don't, yeah, but, or, or man, especially with everything that's happened the last couple years from pandemics to elections and all that, everybody's angry and everybody's mad, and I say, man, you just need to love them and recognize you, yeah, but... You don't know how they voted. Yeah, but you don't know what they did with the money. Yeah, but you don't know what they said about the mask. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but is the most dangerous two words we can say when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Forgive me my debts as I forgive other people. There's no yeah, but in that. There's not an out of, well, this doesn't matter. God calls us to forgive and it's a disaster when we don't. But I think some of us struggle with it because we misunderstand forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness is not, I made a list of a few things. Forgiveness is not denying pain. It's not pretending like it doesn't hurt. 
when somebody hurts you. That's not forgiveness. It's not pretending it didn't hurt. It's not excusing their behavior. I love Micah 6, 8, where it says God has shown you what he wants for you, the way he wants us to live, is to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. He doesn't say forget justice. He doesn't say, well, nobody should ever have to pay for anything they do wrong. He says seek justice, but love mercy. That's the life he wants for us. June 17th, 2015, Dylan Roof walked into the Emanuel Methodist, the African Emanuel Methodist Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and he started shooting. And he killed nine people that morning in their service. Four days later, at the arraignment for bond, the judge allowed family members of that church to come and speak. And to a person, they were like, not afraid to say, you have brought disaster to our church. You have brought pain to our families. We're trusting the justice system. But also to a person, they stood up and the last thing they said was, Dylan, we forgive you. The sister of one of the people who was killed said this, one thing we've always enjoyed in our family is that we are built on love. We have no room for the pain hate brings. So we forgive, and I pray for your soul. Hate will not win. When we don't forgive, it hurts us, and it hurts the kingdom. So we misunderstand forgiveness sometimes. We think, well, forgiveness is just pretending it didn't happen. And all this. Listen, something else forgiveness is not. It's not always reconciling. You know, it's not always. When somebody hurts us, sometimes they go, well, you have to forgive me. Yeah, but I don't have to hang out with you anymore. You know, I forgive you, but I don't have to be your friend. In fact, we're doing a series starting in August, uh, two weeks on relationships. And one of the important elements of relationships and healing them, reconciliation doesn't always happen in relationships. And so forgiving doesn't mean that we're going to hang out again. It just means I'm not going to lay awake at night worrying about you. So what is forgiveness? Okay, what is forgiveness? It's this. It's living with awareness of my new nature in Christ. That 2 Corinthians 5 passage, also uh, in verses 16 to 18, says this. Actually, I think it goes back a few verses. Yeah, let's go back to verse 14 if you're looking. Sorry, I gave them verse 16. I'm going to read 14 before we get there. Christ's love controls us. Isn't that what it means when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done? Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Forgiveness is living in the awareness that I am a new creature in Christ, which means I forgive other people when they hurt me, that I forgive people that I would be angry with, that I would be resentful with, but that I forgive them. The second thing forgiveness is, and I heard this analogy this week and I love this, forgiveness is living with scars instead of wounds. You know the difference Wounds are painful. They're sensitive. They're always bothering you. You have to constantly be aware of them. Where when there's healing and there's a scar, you forget you have it. A few weeks ago, Linda cut her finger. 
uh, on a can lid in the sink and we had to go get some stitches and it was pretty deep. And uh, that night we were someplace and she had a big bandage on it and one of those big protective splints, but she had her hand on the back of her chair and I didn't realize it and I walked up and grabbed the chair and we both instantly realized how sensitive wounds can be. You know, it's like when there's a wound, man, it bothers you. But when it heals, when there's a scar, you seldom think about it. Now it's still there, you know, and if you've lived long enough, I got a big scar down my arm from a mission trip in Africa that I used to tell people it's where a lion got me, but I was lying. It wasn't a lion and that, but you know, I've got scars on my hands from when I fell on a lantern as a kid and then where they later took glass out. We've got scars. Scars end up with stories. And so when somebody wounds us, and we forgive, that wound heals and becomes a scar. And it's not sensitive anymore. We don't lay awake at night. We're not angry about it. But we see the scar once in a while. We don't forget. Anybody that tells you forgive and forget is ridiculous. That's a good word. We don't forget. But how great to have a scar and a story instead of a wound. But some of us have some wounds that we've held on to. And God wants to heal them. God does not want us to walk through life wounded by something somebody did to us. And when we forgive, it allows it to heal. We still have a story, but the story is about God's grace and how he's provided for us instead of about how bad somebody hurt us. So two ways to do that. These are both in scripture. One is we've got to learn to forgive quickly. We've got to learn just to, I ask people once in a while, somebody will come in and they're struggling with something and I'll say, well, have you forgiven them? Well, I'm working on it. Well, quit working on it and do it. It's a choice, you know? It's based on what I know, not how I feel, because if, if forgiving you is based on how I feel, you're never gonna get forgiven, because I'm ticked, you know? And I can, all the bad things, I can, you know, for you. but if it's on my choice that I just prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done, and God says forgive, then I choose to do that. And people say, well, I'm, I'm, it's gonna be a long journey. No, it's not. Examples of this in, in Acts 7, Stephen was one of the early leaders of the church. He's one of the guys when the widows weren't getting fed that they chose, and he's preaching, he's doing miracles, and the religious leaders bring him in and they start, I mean, they're threatening him. So he gives this really long sermon uh, for everything from Abraham to Moses and all that, but it makes him so mad because toward the end of the sermon, he sees that they're not listening, and he goes, it doesn't matter what I say, you've killed every prophet that God ever sent to you anyway. They get so mad, it says they're gritting their teeth and then they're just shaking their fists and they're putting their hands over their ears going, yeah, 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 we're not gonna hear you. But then they drag him out and they start taking rocks and they're gonna stone him and kill him. I don't know if we really understand that concept. This is not little gravel from the driveway. These are rocks. The goal is to hit somebody and kill them. And it hurts. And as they're doing that, what does he say? Father, forgive them. Which sounds familiar because just a few weeks before, Jesus is on the cross. In the middle of the wounding, in the middle of the pain, saying, Father, forgive them. Do you know how quickly we would heal? Do you know how our, our testimony to the world would change if in the middle of somebody wounding us, we could moment by moment operate with, Father, forgive them? Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It means that we trust God's gonna deal with it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not painful, doesn't mean we don't want them as friends anymore, but, but the, to quickly forgive allows quickly to heal. 
we're at Centricare or Lee Care or whatever that emergency place is when Linda was getting her stitches and we go in and Dr. Cynthia is our favorite doctor there. And uh, she said, uh, we had it wrapped up and she goes, oh no, let it bleed a little bit. We're like, I hadn't heard that. You know, she said, no, let it bleed. It'll heal quick. You know, it'll bleed for a second, but then it'll heal quick. And it was amazing just in a few days, actually six or seven days later when Dr. Gary took the stitches out. I'm not paying 75 bucks for somebody to take three stitches out. Come on. I was amazed. I was amazed how quickly it healed. And so when we forgive quickly, we will heal quickly. And some of you, again, you're going, man, 50 years ago or 30 years ago, man, forgive and heal and have a scar instead of a wound. The other, the other thing we need to do is just to forgive totally. And... Um, Again, it's back to not what I feel, but what I know. Matthew 18, there's uh, Jesus is, is teaching and um, Peter's wanting to, I don't want to judge Peter's motives. We beat Peter up enough, you know, for the things he does. But he comes to Jesus in the middle of his teaching and he says, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? And then he throws out, if he had just asked that, he would have been cool. It had been a great story. But instead, it's almost like he's wanting to make himself appear good. And the religious leaders of the day said you have to forgive somebody at least twice. Three would just be over the top if you're, you know, if you're Jesus. But two would be if you're just human. And Peter goes, how many times must I forgive someone? Seven? <laughs> like he took the three, doubled it, and added one. Like, whoa, this is off the charts. Jesus is going to be so proud of me. And Jesus looked at him and said, what? Seventy times seven. And Peter's going man, how am I ever going to keep count? And like, that's the point. You don't keep count. But then Jesus tells him a story. And you know the story. He tells him about the rich landowner who had a guy who owed him some money. And the guy came in and he, it was a debt he could never pay his gazillions of dollars. And the guy comes in and the guy, the king's doing his accounting. He said, bring him in. He said, man, sell him and his family. Give me a little bit of the money back. And the guy falls on his knees and says, have mercy on me. And the king forgives him. The king eats the debt that the guy couldn't pay, forgives him. Guy walks out, grabs a guy that owes him $13, throws him in debtor's prison because he owed him some money. Well, one of the servants heard what happened, goes back and tells the king, and the king goes, you're kidding me. And so he brings the guy back in. He goes, man, you're an idiot. I mean, that's not in this translation, but it's, <laughs> he says, I forgave you a debt that you could not repay, and you just, you just did this? Tell you what, I'm going to throw you in prison. You had a chance. Listen to the last verse of that story, verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You think God takes forgiveness seriously? Do you think God means it? Do you think Jesus had something in his mind when he said, when you pray, pray like this? Father, forgive my debts as I forgive others. We're gonna wrap up by doing that in just a minute. Because some of you got some people you need to, to, you need to let it go. You need to heal. You need to let the wound close and become a scar. Because it's keeping you from honoring God. It's keeping you from being salt and light. It's keeping you from being a kingdom influence on other people. You just need to let it go. So I just want us to take a second, just quietly. And if you can't think of anybody, that's wonderful.
But you just ask God, pray that prayer of David, search my heart. If there's anybody I've not forgiven, if there's anything I need to take care of, God, before we go today, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna leave it right here. Let's just take a second and do that. Father, I thank you for the freedom that comes from forgiveness. The freedom that comes when you forgive us of our sin and that you've promised that when we confess our sin as your followers, you forgive. I thank you for the freedom that comes from forgiving others. And I pray for people in this room that are struggling with that. God, they, may they catch a glimpse of the story you would love to write for them. But I pray that this is the last day that this is a wound that they carry and that they speak of it no more, they think of it no more, and I just pray they're able to look back very quickly at the scar and say, God is so faithful. God is so good. Father, above all, we wanna honor you with the way we live, and so we wanna obey all the things that you tell us. So, God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. We pray that we would do it with eagerness and enthusiasm, even when it's the hard stuff of forgiving others. Thank you for your grace that you extend to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.